You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good, yeah. Anybody jacked up, ready to get helped up today? Yeah. <laughs> I love coming to church and everybody says, yeah, we're screwed, man. We're jacked up. <laughs> so anyways, uh, to, today, um, you know, we're going to be talking about porn and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, over the years, if you've been around here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about uh, my personal struggles in the past with uh, lust and porn and sexual kinds of, uh, you know, dysfunctional behavior. And that's one of the reasons that we have a high accountability level here on our church staff and in our church environment. In fact, our network administrator helped us with uh, some security software that also make sure that any uh, phone or, you know, computer in our Wi-Fi environment, um, that that software can produce a report of every website, uh, the internet history of anybody in our environment here. So what was interesting to me in preparation for this service is that he gave me a report um, of all the, you know, because a lot of you guys come and you connect on your phone or whatever, and he gave me a report of your histories. And I was a little bit surprised at some of the things that I saw there. And so, do you want to know who all made the list? <laughs> you know I'm totally jacking with you right now. You know that we don't have such software. But the moment of terror that some of you just felt is probably just a fraction of the terror that was felt by a woman we're going to study in the Bible together today. Look with me at John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. As he, Jesus, was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't any one of them condemn you? Didn't even one of them? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See? So if we're going to really be a church that helps the jacked up get helped up, then what we're going to have to do is embrace the truth that grace leads to growth. Grace leads to growth. Would you say that out loud with me, even those of you in the video cafe when I point to you? You ready? Grace leads to growth. Now, here's the deal. A lot of people love the grace part, but don't ever really want to do what it takes to grow. See, the grace is the neither do I condemn you. The growth is go and sin no more. Now, a lot of religious environments have a whole lot of go and sin no more going on, don't they? And they lack the grace, but they have to go together. 
You can't have growth without grace, you know? So we got to have it, the grace first, because grace leads to growth. Now, uh, a lot of people go to churches and they don't get help because they go into judgment environments. And see, judgment environments, some of you like me know what that's all about, and they're always laying traps for you. Just like these religious guys laid traps for Jesus, they didn't really ask Jesus questions because they wanted to know the answers. They were really just asking questions like a lot of like political activists today so that they can trap someone in something they're saying and take advantage of it to push their own agenda, right? Another thing you'll see in uh, these judgment environments is they have selective justice. And we see that in the story we're studying today as well, because uh, they caught this woman in the act of adultery. And last I checked, doesn't it take two to tango? (laughs) So where's the man? They brought the woman because they had an agenda that they're trying to trap Jesus in. They didn't care about justice or the man would have been there facing the music as well as the woman. See, that's the way judgment kinds of environments do. They don't care about real justice. They only care about pushing their own agendas. And when this passage is talking about this woman is about to get stoned, if you're new to the Bible, getting stoned here doesn't mean like you, you, you're like wanting to eat a bunch of Twinkies or watch Cheech and Chong or, you know, Pineapple Express movie or whatever like that. It means they're picking to kill the girl. But what Jesus often does is that he disturbs the comfortable and he comforts the disturbed. And his method in this story is, is that he kneels down and starts to write in the dust. That's how bad to the bone Jesus was. He could just write in the dust and take care of business right there. See, this is Jesus. And throughout the years, this dust writing has been, you know, the conversation amongst theologians to say, what what was he writing in the dust? What's that all about? Because if a guy just sits down and writes in the dust, do you think he's distracted? You know, what's going on here? Well, to understand what he was writing in the dust really... Uh, you have to understand the way the Jewish mind thinks, especially in that time. They always think about the text, their religious text, the Old Testament of the Bible. So where in the Old Testament does it talk about someone writing in the dust? Well, Jeremiah, right? You go back to Jeremiah and he was confronting a group of people who were taking advantage of the weak. Go with me to Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13. The old prophet says, Lord, you are the hope of Israel. All who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be what? Written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. And so basically what's going on is when Jesus kneels down to write in the dust, they're remembering the words of the prophet Jeremiah. And they're realizing as the arid winds blow through that part of the world, those winds will erase anything that's written in the dust. To a Jewish person, your name is very important. Names are significant in the Old Testament of the Bible. And if your name is erased, it's shameful. And so when Jesus kneels down to write into the dust, he's saying, if you take advantage of this woman who's down right now, if you judge her, you will be erased and put to shame and your name will be gone forever. And so since we don't want to be erased around here at City Church, 
We have to learn the five facets of grace that leads to growth. Let me show you number one. Grace that leads to growth involves your brain. Now, one of the things that's always fascinated me about Jesus' teaching is that he has this uncanny ability to be able to get people to use their brains and think. So when he confronts those religious guys in the story we're studying today, uh, he asks them questions that forces them to think, to use their brains about what they're going to do and how they're going to act. When Jesus asks this woman who's been caught in adultery questions, it forces her to use her brain and to think. And the research shows us that pornography is a brain issue. It biologically and chemically remaps your brain. That's written about in a book called Wired for Intimacy, written by neuroscientist and researcher William Struthers. And he explains how pornography changes how your brain works, how we form memories, how we make attachments. And one of the illustrations that he gives in the book to explain this is of that 90s sitcom Friends. Remember the great theologians, Chandler, you know, (laughs) uh, there and Joey. And uh, some of you perhaps remember the episode when... Uh, Chandler and Joey got free porn service on their TV. And so they were afraid to turn the TV off because it might turn off the porn. So they, they'd been watching it for hours and hours and hours. And then they had to go about their day and go to work and all that. And when they came back home from work, they're comparing notes about how their day went. And Chandler says, Joey, you're never going to believe this. I went to the bank and I saw this really hot teller there. And she didn't ask me to go back in the vault and do it. And Joey says, oh, you're kidding. I know. I had a pizza delivery girl come and deliver me pizza. And she just gave me the pizza and took my money. She didn't even want to come in and look around the apartment and see how big the bedrooms are, you know. And when it dawned on them how their brains had been remapped, Chandler says, man, we got to turn off the porn. We got to turn off the TV. Guys, our minds are being warped by this stuff. Women are not thinking about that all the time. I'm telling you, women, they're not. <laughs> so let's, let's remap our brains to health. See, the science of it is called neuroplasticity. And the good news is, is that through repetitive, healthy thinking and actions, we can remap our brains to be healthy again. And perhaps that's what Paul's getting at in Romans when he makes this Really great connection between our bodies and our minds. Look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind, see? So grace that leads to growth involves your mind, your brain, but healthy thinking leads to healthy actions. And that's why number two is true. The grace that leads to growth involves building. It involves building. Now, one of the things that we learn in the story of the woman caught in adultery is that those stones, those rocks are not good building blocks. And stones are not good tools of justice, are they? And so Jesus asked them to drop those stones. If you go back to the Old Testament, you'll see a a guy there named Nehemiah. And he uses stones for building. He picks up the stones that were laying in rubble heaps in the ground because his city had been destroyed. And he takes those stones with a team of people and rebuilds the city, rebuilds the wall. And uh, that's why it's important for us to be building something. That's the challenge in the book, Seven Principles of Highly Accountable Men. 
The author's name is Mark Lasser, and he says, men who are accountable ask each other, what are you building? What are you building right now, brother? See, we need to take the energy we would have used on porn and put it towards building something positive. So for some of you, it's about building relationships. As men, we tend to isolate ourselves as we grow older, don't we? And how about we spend some of that time and energy on building good relationships and someone asks you, hey, you know, how come you have so many good and healthy friendships and relationships? You just think to yourself, because I don't waste all my energy on porn, but I take that same energy and build good friendships and relationships. For some of you, uh, it's about building your health. See, it's like, um, and, you know, someone comes up to you and says, hey, how come you're so ripped? How, so, how come you're so buff? People ask me that all the time. And it's like, how come? <laughs> so you just say, you know why? Because I don't waste my energy on porn. I get to the gym or I go take a walk or a jog or build my health, see, instead of uh, building into a depraved mind. Um, for some of you, it's like building at your house. You're always doing house projects. And people ask you, how come you're, you're going to Home Depot or Lowe's all the time doing all these projects around your house? And you're thinking to yourself, because I don't waste my energy on porn. I do something productive to invest in my I guess, biggest investment in my home and make it a better place for my family. Others of you, it's your business, see? It's like you work a lot on your business. People say, hey, how come your business go is going so well? Because I don't waste my energy on porn. I'm taking that same energy and building a business to generate more resources so I can be generous to people in need so that I can provide for my family so I can leave an inheritance to my kids. For others of you, it's like a ministry. You're building a ministry, see? And it's like someone asks you, well, how come you're always serving down at the church there and ministering to people? It's because you're thinking, I don't, because I don't waste my energy hours and hours looking at porn, but I want to invest in people. I want to build a ministry where the kingdom of God is spread and furthered through my energy and efforts. So uh, what are you building right now? When you sit down and you're tempted and think about what am I building right now? And for some of us, it's time to get up and start building. Now, over the years, one of the questions I've asked the Lord is, Lord, you know, how come I had to struggle like I did with this particular issue of lust, you know? Because I was in church and I was trying to grow spiritually and I was reading my Bible and I was praying, I was doing all this. How come I had to struggle so much? How come you didn't just snap your fingers and zap me, change me immediately? Well, I don't know the answer to that question. But I think part of the answer may be in the Bible in Psalm chapter 51, verses 8 through 30, 13. And this is a passage written by David after he had committed adultery. Look what it says. David says, oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. And look at this last sentence. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Could it be that there's a purpose in our pain and that God wants to set us free for a purpose to minister and serve others in a land that is filled with porn and lust? See, Jesus took a group of his young disciples 
to a strange place. He took him to Caesarea Philippi one day to show him an object lesson. When he got there, he showed him this site that you see pictured on screen, and it's called the Gates of Hades. The ancients believed that spirits, evil spirits, would fly in and out of that cave, and there's water coming out of there, and uh, on the face of that cliff, there are these little niches, even if you go there today. And there were these carvings of the mythical god Pan, half goat, half man. And on the face of this rock, there were these pictures of Pan with his nymphs doing pornographic acts. And the ancients would engage in their pagan worship before this cliff face, and they would gratify themselves as they would look at those pornographic images. So when Jesus took his young disciples there who were raised in these very prude Jewish homes, he stood there with them and he said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. You know, Jesus built his church with people who weren't perfect and people who looked at pan porn and he's still doing it today through men like James Valdez, who is leading the conquerors tribe to help men become conquerors over porn. Here's James's story by way of video. Take a look. Talk to you about my dad. I wanted to spend more time with him. But when he had other things to do, I had to just, you just go outside and play. And that's what I did. But then um, that's where a neighbor got a hold of me and um, I, I got molested by him. And it led into pornography. But pornography changed my whole view right there. You know, at eight years old, you don't understand. Um, so from then on, you know, and like <clears throat> I knew to respect women or, or girls at the time because that's how old I was. But I still wanted to see them as as naked. You know, what I saw after being abused, um, it just was kind of like <laughs> uh, like an Eve thing. You know, you're giving the fruit and you open your mind to stuff. But for me, it was like when I viewed that, it just threw me into total confusion and like, wow, okay, here's this side, and I know I'm not supposed to do it, but why does it feel good? Why does it seem uh, like it's okay? It went from magazines to VHS to CDs to internet all the time, anytime. I knew something was wrong. I can tell because I knew I shouldn't be doing that. It got worse once I got into the rock bands after college. From there, I was out of control, man. But along with that came drugs. The girls were doing drugs, I was doing it just so I could be there with them. So, of course, being exposed to pornography at a young age and knowing what I wanted to see, and I saw I knew that was gonna happen. Sure, sex, drugs, rock and roll, man, that, I, I was in, you know? I started coming here and that's when you probably started seeing me come around here and then PTO is what really did it for me. Who knows what it could have done if it wasn't for God, you know, to get me out of that. God's word says, you know, if you're gonna do something, you gotta take the darkness and bring it into light. And he totally forgave me and, and he told me, you know, at that young age, it wasn't my fault. And um, that no matter what, um, he loved me. And that was a big important thing in my life. And I was like, wow. And because I thought I would take that to the grave and never say that to anybody. But, you know, I'm so glad that I exposed it. And now I'll tell anybody what happened to me and how I got out of it. And you know, James is starting his Conqueror's class Tuesday. 
um, and he's going to uh, start that class. It's going to be on the third floor uh, in our building right next door um, on Tuesday night. You can go to the table outside and sign up for that course if you'd like to. He'll have a table uh, right outside right after service. And not only that, but there's going to be a conquerors class for women. You can sign up for that class as well uh, right outside at that table. But let me say this. is that I know some of you are thinking, man, I'm not going to walk up and sign up at that table today because people are going to look at me and think, let's take shame out of the equation, can we? You know the most humble people in the room today are the ones that are willing to go up to that table and sign up. The most humble and courageous people in the room are willing to say, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just want God. I want to get free right on. Yeah. So, so uh, I want to give you some encouragement if you're right in the middle of this fight and you've been fighting, you know, for the purity of your mind. Look at number three, grace that leads to growth happens in God's timing, God's timing. Now, what we typically want is that we want God to just zap us right now and be free on my timetable, but it doesn't always work that way. In fact, the story of the woman who was caught in adultery, we don't get a follow-up on her. So we don't know if she relapsed or struggled, and there are far too many of us who have made the decision, hey, I want to stay pure, but um, I've relapsed, and I've struggled, and man, I've gone to a class, and I've had people hold me accountable, and um, you know, I've done accountability software and all kind of stuff, but I still sometimes relapse. Well, look at this passage. I hope it'll give you some encouragement to stay the course. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the what proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up look it took you some time to build up that stronghold in your life one porn session at a time over many many years some of us and so it may take some time one stone at a time to dismantle the stronghold of lust in our lives and start building the appropriate things into our lives, see? And I was frustrated like some of you many years ago. I mean, I was working in the marketplace at that time in my life and I'd been fighting and fighting and fighting for my purity to stay away from those lustful things. And one day at the office, um, after years of fighting this lust problem, um, it was gonna act its way out. And a woman from out of town uh, came on to me at work. She was attractive. She handed me a piece of paper with her hotel room number on it. And I thought to myself, man, you know, there are boundaries that I've crossed, and this is a boundary I've not yet crossed, and I'm going to cross that boundary today. I just can't take it anymore. And I remember being in my car on my way to a hotel, and I'm telling God on my way, I'm telling him off. I'm like, God, I've tried everything, man. I've prayed to you. I've fasted, God. I've, had, I've like shared all my deep, dark sins and secrets with, you know, accountability friends. I've gone to like counselors, God. I've even gone to counseling where they try and cast demons out of you, off you or away from you. I've tried everything, God, and I'm on my way right now. I'm doing this. I was giving God a piece of my mind. I was telling him what's up. And so I get there to the hotel lobby and I pick up the courtesy phone and I'm like, I'm here. And she says, Doug, you're never going to believe this, but my boyfriend just flew in from out of town and we're, we decided to get back together. So you and I are not going to be able to spend time together tonight. And I hung up that phone and I just laughed and I looked up. I said, you did this, didn't you? You took me right to the edge. 
And I laughed and laughed and laughed all the way home. And what dawned on me some years later is that it's been since before that experience that I've acted out upon my lust 17 years ago because it was God's timing, see? I tried everything. And look, some of you have crossed, you know, boundary after boundary. I've crossed some significant boundaries in my life for sure. It's not about what boundaries you've crossed. It's about what God you serve and his timing is perfect. All you have to worry about doing is getting back up again when you've fallen, see? And in due time, you're going to reap that harvest of freedom if you don't grow weary. But check this number four out, that grace that leads to growth gives a greater pleasure. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking who are new to church. You're thinking, man, you know, church and the Bible and Christians are really just sexually repressive and outdated and anti-sex. Well, that's not the case at all. Let me show you just one verse from the Bible that shows us that the Bible is way pro-sex in marriage. Proverbs 5, 18. Um, if you didn't check your kids into Kid City, here goes. All right. Um, uh, let, your wife, let, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer and a graceful doe. I'm going to go home to my wife today. I'm like, oh, you're a graceful deer, honey. And then it says, let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. See, this is in the Bible. Now, what I didn't choose to read today were some passages from Song of Solomon. And if I did, I, I'm just, I would get too embarrassed. I couldn't take it. You know what I mean? But it's like so erotic. It is so sensual and explicit in its language of a married couple's sex life. In fact, young Jewish boys weren't even allowed to read Song of Solomon until they were of age. Because I'm telling you, people who are free of porn and lust and are married are having the best sex around. And it's not just my opinion. A recent study done uh, by State University of New York, along with University of Chicago, it is the most comprehensive study on sex in America ever. And this study found that of all sexually active people, the most physically pleased and emotionally satisfied were married couples. See, this is the best sex ever. And so this service is so not about being sexually repressive, but the reason that we want to root porn out of your lives is so you can have the best sex ever. I hope that Christians, I hope people in our church are having the best sex ever, right? Now, another thing that the scientists are telling us is that they're telling us that heavy porn use is leading to epidemic levels of erectile dysfunction, okay? Children whose parents brought you to ch into church today and not to Kid City, just ask them on the way home, what is erectile dysfunction? <laughs> Mom, dad, what is that? And here's what they're finding, is that the ED drugs are not helping on men younger and younger and younger. And you know why, young men? It's because the problem is not in your pants, it's in your brain. It's in your soul. 
And so maybe rather than taking the blue pill, it's time to take the conqueror's class. You know what I'm saying? And ladies, maybe rather than watching Fifty Shades of Grey, maybe it's time to download the Bible app and read Fifty Shades of Truth. And the Word of God cleanse our minds. You can clap for that. I'm, I'm all about that. And that's where the best sex is happening is when uh, we clear this clutter out of our minds. Now, to have great sex is a great motivation to want to root out porn and lust from our hearts, but there is a greater pleasure that's greater than any sex that can be offered on this planet. And that great pleasure is an encounter with God. It's an encounter with God. There's this pastor, author, scholar named John Piper and he's known as the Christian hedonist. And what he means by that is that the greatest pleasure in life is the pleasure that comes from God. And he says that all of us at some level, we make decisions that we believe will make us the happiest and the most fulfilled in the long run. And so what he would say is, why would we want to settle for the molehill pleasures of porn rather than the Mount Everest pleasure of an encounter with Almighty God? See? And his famous slogan is this, is that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And the reason that we get to experience him and experience freedom is because of the cross. Look at number five. There's no grace for growth without the cross. There is no uh, grace for growth without the cross. Now, back to the adulterous woman story for a minute. Can you imagine the pleasure that she felt? when she was about to be stoned to death and everything turned on a dime when she had an encounter with God incarnate, with the Messiah, with Jesus Christ, who was God on earth, the image of God that we could see. What would we give to have an encounter with Jesus physically today? See, that was what this woman encountered And when all the other men had to walk away, they had to drop their rocks and walk away because they were not without sin. There was one man left standing and it was Jesus because he was without sin. And you know why he had the authority to say, neither do I condemn you and go and sin no more? It's not only because he was perfect, but he paid for that woman's sin when he died on the cross. And as I reflect upon the cross for my life today and what it means for me today, it causes me to see how precious the cross of Christ is. See, because in my head, I entertain so many lustful thoughts and I put so many porn images into my head. Because of that, his head, his innocent head had a crown of thorns thrust into it. And because I watched on screens, naked bodies and lusted for them, his body was crushed by Roman crucifixion. And because these eyes have looked at way too much skin over the years, the skin of his innocent back was shredded into hamburger meat by a Roman whip, see? So the cross brings with it a confrontation along with power. And we have to receive the conviction that it brings. And today when you came in, you received little rocks, did you not? 
You have those, will you pull those rocks out? You know what we like to do with rocks is we like to throw them at people, don't we? All you have to do is look at the political arena. We love to throw rocks at people, especially people that have done us wrong. And you know, a lot of us have been hit by a few rocks, hadn't we? Do you know who you like to throw the rock at the most when they disappoint you? You? Do you know who picks up the biggest rock to throw at you? You do. And I stand here before you knowing that because I felt the guilt and shame of failure. I've had to look into the eyes of people that I've disappointed because of my lust and my sins of the past. And sometimes I just want to pick up a boulder and just drop it on myself because of what I've done. So as we worship today, I want to ask you to drop your rock and don't throw it at yourself. We're going to have you stand in just a minute. The band's going to play and I'm going to invite you guys to walk up to the front and drop your rock in these containers that we have up here. And that is a symbolic gesture of faith where you're saying, God, I'm not going to throw the rock at myself anymore. I'm not throwing the rock at myself anymore because of the power of the cross. All the stuff I've done is not more powerful, is not bigger than the cross. And so by faith, I'm going to come and just drop this rock and say, I am done stoning myself. I'm going to receive the grace that leads to growth. And some of you have been hurt by others who have sinned sexually. And you know, you're not going to find freedom in your heart until you're able to drop the rock. Because for years, you've been in this bitter cycle of machine gunning them with rocks. And maybe it's time today to stand up by faith and drop the rock in here and say, I'm not going to be enslaved to what someone did to me years ago anymore. I'm going to drop the rock and extend the grace that leads to my growth. So let's stand up together and by faith, let's bring those rocks and drop them. If you're in the video cafe, there's a space for you to do it as well. Those of you that are in the balcony, I know it's a little harder to come down the steps, but sometimes if you'll stay, take that step of faith, it leads to a new sense of freedom. Let's worship together. Yeah, God, that's amazing that you could take people such as us with the collective filth that some of us have put before our eyes and you've completely wiped it away with the power of the cross. And so we just embrace the truth and we cling to the cross today because we know that there's not one vile thing that any one of us have ever done or we could all do collectively that could outpower the cross. The cross crushes adultery. The cross crushes lust and porn of every sort. And we are seen as clean children before you because of that cross that we cling to. And so because we've received your grace today and we've said we're not of the people who are going to hang on to our rocks and throw them. You've given us the grace that leads to our growth. So as we move forward, God, I pray that 17 years from now, many in this room would say, you know, I don't, 
I don't know exactly when I got free, but I just know that it's been since that day that we like dropped rocks and containers at church that I haven't acted out. And we're claiming that freedom today. Father, I pray that 17 years from now, someone who has been so wounded by a spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend that's cheated on them, I pray that they look back and say, I don't know what it is, but I just, I can't remember exactly when I got free, but it's like, I do remember that day at church where we dropped the rocks in those containers and I just haven't felt bitterness since then. I haven't felt the unforgiveness and the rage and the anger and the hurt in my heart. I can remember it, but I just, for whatever reason, I just don't feel like I'm angry about it anymore. Thank you, God, for the cleansing and the very real freedom that we're experiencing in our hearts now because of the power of the cross. And so we pray all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.